Hello, and welcome to Dodecahedron, a podcast by, for, and about role players. I'm Colin Lamoth. And I'm Jess Venters. Each week, we get together to talk about a range of gaming-related topics, from creating a character to running a game, and what it all means for people who share our favorite hobby. We may not be experts, but we do have pleasant voices and a wealth of gaming experiences that we are eager to share with you. Our topic today is emotionally trying moments, but before we get into it, Jess, I feel like there's something we need to address for our listeners. There definitely is our... uh, Our break, our unannounced week break. Unannounced and unanticipated. Very true. uh, As sharp-eared listeners might be able to tell my voice is not completely as pleasant sounding as i normally like it to be Um, and now our unsharp-eared listeners have been cued into it yes which honestly i think is for the best but i was horrendously sick last week for like a solid 11 days uh, and basically when Sunday rolled around, which is when we normally do our recordings, I reached out to Colin and said, hey, buddy, I literally could not record an episode today if I wanted to, so can we take a week off? Ordinarily, I would have come back with trying to uh, create an episode on my own, but since Jess does most of the editing and he has laid out real bad, I didn't want to put any extra work on his plate. Yeah, I I was down for the count. But there is a silver lining to that particular playbook, because Colin, you've got something very, um, what's the word I'm looking for, substantial coming up? It's true. I do have something quite substantial coming up, and that would be at the end of July is Gen Con. August, I believe, August 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, or 3rd, 4th, 6th, 3rd, or 5th, 6th, 7th. It's one of those. It's the very first week where there is August included, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I I will be running... The LARP that I have been preparing for all year. I feel like Gen Con gets earlier and earlier every year, but uh, this LARP that you're running, I remember when we were talking about that near the end of last year, is it the same group? Same group. Once again, the world of the classic world of darkness game that i run is a continuing storyline each year we have the same characters and new ones in case people died or we have new players come back in order to engage in the same storyline again now it's not the exact same storyline we're not doing things like over from scratch it's a continuous storyline they're invested all year long in the discord and then they get together for three days at gen con to run in person kind of a culmination game Now, if you can culminate an entire year's thinking and planning and wanting and more planning in only three days of play, I would imagine that you're going to run into some moments in that gameplay that leave a lot of your players and maybe some of your storytellers, shall we say, emotionally tried? Right you are, and what a thing to segue into. In fact, we actually do have an example of that that I'd be happy to share with you and our listeners. Please, please, please do. We have a 
we have a player that's coming in um, who had a principal NPC that sort of served as their father figure uh, during the first game and during the intervening year. And that character died, uh, was killed uh, by another PC. And so that NPC is gone, and that player messaged uh, my mage storyteller, it'd be Ryan, um, to let him know that he is channeling some personal tragedy into this into this event uh, for his character, and he will be coming prepped to be a whirlwind. Interesting. How yes. did Ryan respond? Ryan responded, I thought, in a very diplomatic way. He's happy for the investment but he wants to make sure that the player understands that if it starts to get uncomfortable for other people at the intensity level to make sure that he is capable of toning it down i think that is exactly i want to say that is exactly what i would believe is the proper response but that is also definitely where i want to kick this discussion off because when we say emotionally trying moments we're not necessarily talking about the bits where, oh no, a horrible thing happened to my character, and now I'm going to go through story angst. I just imagined when you said story angst, like a like a marquee of uh, of bright flashing lights come up. Story angst. Exactly. Absolutely. Because story angst is that flashy display it for the world to see sort of oh my character's story is so dark and brooding and i'm here to explore all of the unpleasant aspects of humanity mm, the frank miller approach yes but emotionally trying storytelling is not necessarily that Frank Miller grit and sadness and anger and angst sort of stuff. We're talking about moments where your players are maybe more invested than they otherwise would be. Mm -hmm. And what do we mean when we say investment? I think it's important to define it for those that are new to role-playing and for whatever reason just started listening to us on this episode. Yes, so we actually have an entire episode about emotional investment, but the Cliff's Notes version is essentially when you are sitting down at the table or the computer or the whatever you do your role-playing on, these moments of investment are when you find that in terms of your, let's say, mental state or emotional feelings or whatever i was about to say emotional state again and then i realized <laughs> mm, that's redundant uh, when you are in such a way that what you are feeling is bleeding into what your character is feeling or vice versa because as a player who comes from an acting background and a writing background I very often hit these moments of my character's mood has affected my mood in real life, and there's very little that I seem to be able to do about it, at least for the moment. And sometimes when those moods are good things, it's uh, all around a nice opportunity, but too often it's actually that it is a bad thing that has affected your player from their character's point of view, whether that be through anger 
or through sorrow. Either way, I'm all in favor of having and taking the time for uh, what I what I would call drama breaks. Something is a scene is too hot. You might have to step away from it, like finish the scene and then say, that was a real heavy scene. Let's let's take five, have some have some chat, go outside if you need to take a breather and we'll come back to the table. Yes, yes. And I, I never want to give the implication that being emotionally invested in the story or in your characters is in any way a negative thing because a certain not. level of emotional investment makes the whole experience better for everyone. Mm-hmm. What you want to be cautious about, not necessarily avoid, but definitely have a finger on the pulse of, is if you have a player like... At some points in my life, myself, who maybe doesn't have the best grip on their own mental health. And then you get into one of these moments where it's like, oh no, my character is in this horrible situation, and I'm using my character as some wish-fulfillment escapism to make it so that my own weird life is not so weird and I have a little control and now things are out of my control and I'm having a panic attack. <laughs> Colin, you may not have realized it, but you you story told me, you GM'd me through more than one of those moments. So I will ask you, Years removed from the events themselves, one, did you realize, and two, if you did, how did you handle it? I don't know if I ever fully understand understood exactly how emotionally trying some of those scenes were. We didn't generally talk about it that much afterward or, or how it was affecting you. You kind of kept, personally, some things really kind of close to the vest. We lived the unexamined life. It's true. We live the non-confrontational life. That's what we lived. definitely true. Goodness. So, so I, I'd say that a lot. I thought that you were just being a pretty good actor and, and channeling. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> you were doing acting at the time, so I feel I mean, like I was justified. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <coughs> I, I was not trying to interrupt you. I'm literally coughing from the remnants of this cold that I'm getting over. Please continue. Uh, no, no, that's totally fine. So had I been aware that these situations were affecting you a lot more strongly than, say, I felt was particularly necessary, then I would have taken the initiative to sit down with you and say, hey, how are you feeling? And does this detract from your sense of fun or can you recover from this pretty easily? Is this something that you feel like is important for your portrayal of the character or do you need me to like pull back on the throttle a little bit and, uh, or ease up on the controls and, and let you have some, some calm smoothing, some calls come some that. Yeah. Wow. There go the words, some smooth sailing waters, which honestly is something that I think, GMs should do with their players more often in general because when you mm. get into these situations where no matter what the game is your players are more invested than not you're almost inevitably going to hit these moments of well somebody is less 
happy or having less fun than they should be. And being able to communicate that and step away and say, hey, do we need a chill, happy, fun time for a little bit? Should not be taboo. It's true. Even if you don't really consider yourself to be the most perspective, uh, like, um, perceptive person at your at your table, every now and then it helps to have a level check to sit down and say, "All right." Either sit around with the rest of the table and say, "How does everyone feel about this?" Or take some players individually and say, "Hey, our games have been going a certain way for a while. How do you think things are going for you?" And do you feel invested? Do you feel like anything needs to change? As a storyteller, you have a lot of control over how you let the emotional axe fall, whether mm -hmm. it does or it doesn't, or whether the important NPC from their backstory suddenly shows up, or because of their actions, someone important to them dies. You get to decide when those moments hit. And sometimes, of course to preserve the, let's say, the progression of the story, an emotional moment needs to be hit. But you can kind of decide which emotional moment that needs to be and how it hits and whether there is a way to reverse it. It's important to remember that emotional investment is a double-edged sword. Yes. A DM almost... Or a, the kind of DMs that Jess and I are, we love emotional investment. We live for the circumstances in which someone is so into character that they can even shed a tear over an NPC that never ever lived outside of the game. However, we have to remember that if they get to that point, they are feeling those emotions themselves. And it's important to be able to step back from it and say, that was an amazing scene. That was beautiful. It was, it was incredibly done. We're going to tell stories about this for a long time, but let's take a break before we continue on. We have to remember that not everybody has the emotional stamina that other people do. And on, so on yeah. that exact note, uh, I've recounted the details of this story before, but there was one point where I was in a game and an NPC who was very close to my character died uh mm. and both in and out of character i became a bit despondent for a few minutes like real time curled up in the corner sitting on the couch not responding to anyone minutes and about halfway through this my dm finally looked at me and was like jess are you okay and i'm like I'm fine, this is in character, it just is also out of character. <laughs> and like, and, those yeah. kinds of moments can be really difficult for even the most mentally stable of people if you are willing to let yourself get that involved in the storytelling. We ran a game back in college, probably the most emotionally trying game that I have ever ran before Ooh, uh, do you know lolly. what it is off the top of your head uh i'm guessing it's either hmm it's one of three it's old west zombies or big lake i was gonna say zombies because yeah zombies, zombies was almost always emotionally trying whereas like big lake and west had moments of of levity 
Okay, so for those of you out there who have nothing to do with what we're talking about right now, let me sum it up for you thusly. Please. Our zombies game was basically if you took the body count of The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and mixed that up with the personal... How do I want to say this? Uh moral testing of Breaking Bad, and just for the fun of it, put a little bit of Sisyphus in there. Yeah, yeah, that one, that was a hard, that was a hard game. It was, was rough. I was trying to, I was trying to make it a rough game, because I was, I was looking for these emotional beats. I got them. I don't know if I really wanted them. In it retrospect. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's the sort of thing where, like, I was super into it, going into it, and then about the time my fourth favorite NPC died fruitlessly. And when I say fourth favorite, I don't mean number four in my ranking of favorites. I mean the person who was my favorite after my first three favorites had also died. <laughs> I started to lose a little bit of the luster for it. It's true. It was, um, as any DM can attest, going through... Running games is a learning process, uh, especially with a group. It can be a learning process of where limits are, where barriers are. You have to look at every game like an opportunity to learn both strengths and weaknesses. From the zombie game, I took away, okay, these are especially powerful kind of moments and NPC types that provoke action, change, and interaction. And weakness-wise, I took back, if I don't bring in more levity my players are going to have a real-life stress attack. Yeah, I think that was maybe one of the only times when we actually played together that I couldn't really keep it bottled up. Yeah. like We ended up taking a pretty long break on that game. <laughs> like a, a matter of months pretty long break. Mm -hmm. One of the players started having nightmares about zombies all the time. Yeah. Which, on the one hand, is incredible. <laughs> oh, there it is. Are you alright, buddy? Hey, you know, I'm almost completely recovered, but this is literally the most consecutive talking I've done in, like, nine days. Uh, what I was saying is, that is a pretty incredible uh, accolade to have under your belt as a storyteller. Be like, yeah, I gave a player nightmares because I'm just that fucking good. It's, it's nice to have on your trophy case. I would never want to earn it again. No, that's one of those one and done achievements. Yeah, that's uh, that's a one and done achievement. You don't want to you don't want to repeat that. I'm glad to know that I have the capability of theoretically compelling that kind of thing. It's not something that I actually want to compel. We have to remember that a game is supposed to be fun, even if we have moments of despair, even if we have stress, even if we have strife, even if things sometimes fail. At the end of the day, it's about 
having this experience where you have control over a storyline and you can make some very interesting action happen. Now, this isn't for everybody's games. There may be some of you may be some masochistic people out there who love the kind of emotionally trying games that we're talking about. And you know what? All all the more power to you. Good good on you, buddy. But like for for a lot of us. We want generally our games to be more fun than discouraging and like emotionally ringing. Well, it's the reason that people play horror games or watch scary movies. Sure, yeah. There are people who strive for and search for that exact emotional response. And they want to be pushed and they want to be tested. And those people should have a place in the role-playing game community. Of course. And honestly, games like Dread, which if you've been a long-time listener, you've heard me talk about before, and if not, it is a horror game where instead of dice, you have a Jenga tower, and it's amazing. Please look it up and enjoy it, because it's freaking awesome. I keep getting... I keep almost having a chance to play Dread, and then, like, something falls out, and, oh I, and I, I don't God, get the opportunity. Dude, you would run such a good game of Dread. Like, literally, I will send you the campaign that I wrote. And, like, I... Hmm. If you were to record that session, I, I would happily that. turn it into a mini-series for the channel. Because, like, it, it would be one night, the channel, the podcast, it would be, like, one night, and it would be three or four episodes, because everyone would either succeed or die within three or four hours, tops. That's actually a really good idea. I'm going to put that on our on our Google Doc idea board. Yes, let's do it. Um, so, I guess, look forward to that at some point. Maybe we'll release that around Halloween, who knows? Anyway, anyway. There are definitely people who look for these moments that make them scared or make them anxious or make them angry or make them excited. And those should be embraced up to the point that they impede on anyone else's enjoyment of the game. Mm -hmm. The idea of having that level setting, tone it down, if ne you know, if necessary, is important to have. You know, honestly, if, if one of your players... Oh, go ahead. Honestly, what? It's party balance. Yes. Emotional party balance. Not just stats, but now emotions. But please continue with what you were saying. I literally just wanted to say those three words. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you getting them in there. Let's see. So, some players at your table may be stronger role <coughs> players than others. Some of them may have stronger lungs than others. Unlike Jess. Hey, I'm doing my best. <laughs> I was gonna just cut that cough out, but now I have to leave it in because you made a comment about it. I know. <laughs> Good. Let the listeners hear your weakness. Aww. Some players are stronger at portraying emotion than others, and... It can be very true that being in the presence of strong emotions can make other people uncomfortable. A lot of people know what I mean when I say that. If there is someone that is having an emotional breakdown next to you and you're not 100% sure how to stop them from doing it, you can feel a little awkward about it. 
So it's important as a DM um, and even as a player to know when enough is enough at the table, when you need to tone down your emotional reaction, when you need to fade the scene to black, when you need to describe what's happening next, or when you need to take a break, call it, go out and talk about something else, and then come back to the table when everyone is feeling comfortable. Now, Colin, you have brought up the idea, and I guess we both have, but this idea of taking a step away from an emotionally trying scene and focusing on something else for a little while as a totally generic and probably banal example, what might you cut to? Or would it even be in-game? That's a good question, and I think it largely depends on the context of the scene that's being had. If it's a scene that included the entire party, there's not a lot to cut to unless you're, well, unless you're willing to do kind of a little, like, sideshow with a silly NPC. In those cases, it might be good to just take a break from the table and say, we will re-enter this scene and deal with the consequences of it after, like, a ten-minute break. And Everybody sometimes... Everybody a beer and a slice of pizza. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it's as simple as like, whew, that was powerful. Meanwhile, how's the rogue doing over there with uh, disen disengaging some of these traps? Have you noticed the bees yet? What bees? <laughs> oh, we've got bees. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have made my voice go that high, but I wanted to say the bees in a fun voice. <laughs> Uh, you're, you're, you're fun like this. You're fun like this. <laughs> <laughs> As the DM, you have complete control over where the, where the comedy needs to come in to cut away some of the heavy handedness of the drama. Just make sure that unless the point is to make it a comedic campaign, you don't rely on the funny button so much that you lose any dramatic context that you have built. Now, personally... I love smacking on the funny button every now and then. Yeah, you mostly. I just wanted to say smacking on the funny button, but I also want to segue into not necessarily segue. I'm liberally using that word. I want to talk about this idea of robbing your players or cutting the sh the emotional moments short, because yes. for a lot of people. That is a feature, not a bug. Where, like, role-playing allows us to have these moments where I can get more emotionally invested in a story because I am a part of it. I'm not crafting the whole thing as a player, but I am definitely guiding my own perspective through it, which makes it more real in a sense I suppose and you never want to be the GM who says hey that got too heavy let's walk away from that and then have your players go what no you're cutting me short I'm getting and I'm about to utter a phrase that I genuinely hate emotional blue balls because you've taken the climax of this moment away from me and like you never want to 
you never want to feel like you're robbing your players of the satisfaction, story-wise, that they were working toward. So it's a really fine line to walk between emotionally trying and emotionally impactful. It's true. And, you know, that kind of comes with time. With time, you come to understand uh, a little bit more heavily, you know, what what moments you need to walk away from and what moments you can let play out. It's about knowing your group and not trying to yeah. overstep those bounds. And I to reiterate that, time doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, I've been, you know, running Dungeons & Dragons games for pickup groups for 18 years. I'm super good at figuring out when any individual person is having too tough of a time with something. It's very person-specific, and it's very group-specific. Like, I would not even attempt to put what I would anticipate to be an emotionally difficult moment into a campaign without, like, six or seven sessions with a group under my belt already. And that's, you know, that's just, like, my own personal rule of thumb, but it feels like less than that, unless I know these people and they are all my friends, I can't really get a good gauge on how each person at the table is going to react until I've had, you know, at least a few hours with each of them individually. I completely understand that. I agree with you. Um, I have a very similar limit as well. I like to kind of get an idea for everybody at the table, their personality and how they play a character for a little while first before I attempt to turn up the temperature. But if it if you are a long-standing member of my group, if I have had you for a couple of games, chances are I know where your limits are, and there will be no breaks until there needs to be. No breaks, no limits. And speaking of no limits, if our listeners wanted a no-limitation access to us, where would you have them go? Oh, see, there are a few real nice little options there. If you want to send us a nice long-form message, you can send us an email at dodecapodcast at gmail.com. If the length mm-hmm. of your message is less important, you can also hit us up on Twitter at podcast dodeca. I would say those are our main two, but we're also totally available on Instagram and Tumblr. And both of those you will find us at Dodeca Podcast. And from all of us here at Dodecahedron, thank you for listening. We look forward to seeing you on our next adventure.